0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Packet 8 Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Tickpick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Packaday podcast and the Blue Wire network.
0: 20 minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Packaday podcast.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Packaday podcast. I'm your host Andy Herman, joined by the one and only Perry Goldstein. The Packers lost to the Kansas City Chiefs by six points. Not exactly what we were hoping for, Perry. We did not get to see uh, Jordan Love absolutely ball out, but there was certainly some positives to take away from this game. Certainly some question marks and some negatives. We will get into all of that. But how are you doing? And how are you feeling following that Packers loss in Kansas City?
2: I'm okay. Um... Definitely not the game that I was expecting. I should just learn to not have expectations going into Packers games and I'll save myself a lot of trouble. Um, I mostly am quite proud of the way the defense showed up. I thought it was a serious statement game from a defense missing so many starters. Um, And, you know, that's that's the unit that's going to take us through the rest of the season. Um, Of course, we'll talk about Jordan Love plenty, but first career start not going to overreact too much, not going to get too high, not get, going to get too low off of it. But I was proud to see this Packers team kind of stay in it until the actual very last play of the game um, against the full strength Kansas city team. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Very even keel.
1: Yeah. Maybe my biggest disappointment is I really wanted to see a two minute drive for Jordan love with the opportunity yeah. to win the game down six minute and a half left. Probably deep, and, and to be real, just based on that game, it probably doesn't end well. Um, you know, for being honest, but just to have him get that experience and to see that opportunity and to see what he can do, because you just never know. Right. Especially when a team is, you know, bringing a ton of zero blitzes, it doesn't take much more than all of a sudden you hit a receiver and he breaks a tackle and he's gone, right? right? Like there's just not the level of safety help that you would normally have in those situations. So to, to miss out on that opportunity. And I, I don't, uh, you know, fault Shannon Sullivan for not being able to stick with Tyree kill for way longer than anyone should humanly have to, um, But that was my biggest disappointment as far as it's funny you bring up expectations because, you know, we're going to get into Jordan Love in great detail in just a second. But I absolutely expected him to overall perform better than I think we saw in that game. Um, And I think a lot there were a lot of factors that went into that. But I also thought going into that game, everyone was kind of seeming like oh, this is such a great opportunity is going against the Kansas city defense that isn't very good. And, you know, you, you find out you have three or four days to prepare to to go into Kansas city. And like, this is a perfect scenario for Jordan love. And one of the things that, uh, you know, struck me out about that is, is Kansas city is a very difficult place to play. The volume in there is, is, you know, as difficult as any venue in the NFL. And yes, I, Kansas city, they should have attacked Sorensen way more than they did up until the, the touchdown to Alan Lazard. But uh, yeah, I, I did not think that that was like this 1A ideal scenario for, for Green Bay or Jordan Love. And you could tell it was absolutely yeah. overwhelming. He had some jitters. Yeah. And again, we'll get into all of that in just a moment.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I always thought that was very odd. Yes, it's you know, he's getting a full game that you didn't think he would get. And so those live reps, no matter where they're played, are phenomenal for him and for his development and for the Packers to understand where he stands in that development. But Kansas City is a really difficult place to play. And you're also going up a Kansas City team that's like, fighting for a playoff spot right now like this is a hungry kansas city team that needs every win possible at home and you're still going up against patrick mahomes like this was by no means a walk in the park it's not like it was home at lambeau against the lions right Right. like this was a very very difficult scenario i almost think for love in the future it's better that this is like where he starts out at But I'm not surprised, to be honest, by the way he played, given the environment.
1: Yeah. So let's let's jump into Jordan Love right away, because obviously that was the huge talking point going into this game and is certainly going to be one of the key takeaways as well. Struggled, I think, overall in this game, did not have the level of comfort that maybe we would have liked to have seen, certainly early in the game. There, as I mentioned, there were a ton of factors and Matt LaFleur owned the play calling hundred percent after the game. And I think there's a, a, like sometimes Matt LaFleur owns things and you can tell he's just owning it to deflect from other things. Like there's absolutely a level of ownership on Matt LaFleur in this game for the the game plan that he had. Uh, I thought Matt Schneidman after the game, you know, posted something in regards to, it certainly seems like, you know, Matt LaFleur has a propensity to get away from AJ Dillon when he's running well. There certainly seemed to be an aspect of that in this game. Um, I I tweeted out was something like like 30-some passes plus scrambles for Jordan Love and 20 total runs for Aaron Jones and and A.J. Dillon. That was not going to be a recipe for success for Green Bay in this game. Of course, not getting points on special teams doesn't help. We'll cover that more in just a moment as well. I thought the offensive line, for the most part, was really, really atrocious. And I'm going to definitely wait to see – on the all 22 uh, to see what that looked like and who was to blame. And if they're, you know, sometimes if you're just bringing an extra guy, it may look like it's awful on the offensive line when really that's on the quarterback, they just have to get rid of the football or have uh, something that they can do. But it, at first glance, it certainly seemed like the offensive line didn't have a great result. And then just not having the response to some of the zero pressure, you know, the, the just the seven and six and seven and eight man rushes that Kansas city brought, like, Green Bay didn't ever really develop a response to that. And one of the things that I will give Jordan, credit, uh, Jordan Love a ton of credit for in this game is when you're a quarterback, I don't care if you're making your first start or if you're a 20-year veteran in the league or anything in between, when you have consistent pressure like that on nearly every single play – It is so easy for any quarterback to start seeing ghosts on a play and just start like your eyes immediately drop and you go to the rush and nothing. The fact that late in that game, he's still like he's still taking the bullets, ready to take hits, delivering balls. And yes, some of them, you know, it certainly could have delivered better. But if there's one big takeaway I have in the game, it's the fact that he continued to take. It hits and pressure over and over and over still stood in the pocket and found ways to make plays, especially on that last drive on the touchdown to Alan Lazard. So I think there were certainly some positives here for Jordan love as well. Yeah.
2: He held his composure really well. I, I felt like from start to finish, he looked really comfortable out there. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, at my, in my mind, like this offense couldn't move the ball at all because the offensive line was doing absolutely nothing to help Jordan love you're right. Their running game was working. I don't know why you would get away from that. I actually thought that going into this game, they would mimic a little bit more of what they did against the Cardinals and just Agreed. really lean on Jones, really lean on Dylan. And when they were doing that in this game, it was working. Dylan was absolutely pounding it against the chiefs, but yeah, I mean, he was, pre- Jordan was pressured on every pass, every drop back. They, he could not pick up blitzes. he did not, he barely had a clean pocket, I mean, the Royce Newman holding call when you get an Aaron Jones run for 19 yards is just so brutal to me when you finally start to get that moving. Um, Of course, Kansas City's game plan was going to be to blitz the hell out of love. I mean, he's it's his first start. And yeah, the Packers had no answers. You're right. And I thought that I didn't really understand that either, because in preseason, the biggest complaint was, well, all Jordan is doing is hitting these check downs. But he had none in this game to hit. Uh, So I didn't really understand that either. Um, but yeah, when he had a clean pocket, we got to see him rip it a little bit. And I think there's, there were some good balls, There was some bad ball placement. I think the interception to Adams is an interesting one that we can maybe discuss here. Like, that's something maybe you would hope Adams can catch because he's caught worse balls than that before, but also it wasn't like the best place for love to put that ball. But I thought just in general, the fact that he was willing to rip it like that, even under all that pressure is a good sign. You clean up the decision-making process. I think he may, you know, that's something that you can develop. Um, My biggest issue, honestly, and I, I saw it a lot on Twitter all day was, Oh, X player was open. Why didn't he hit him there? Love didn't, he couldn't hit his reads because he literally didn't have time to progress through them. Like he had just, he just had to take the first read and do that. So I don't know how much I can judge love on and his future on this game, given how much he was pressured, but I'm sure there's plenty to take away. And like you said, you watch the all 22 and and get some responses, but yeah, I mean, inconsistent, but his first start, I will say though, I liked to, to see him use his legs because we, we know he's a mobile quarterback and I think there were some times where he decided to do that and it was a good call. Um, Maybe could have used the Rogers uh, advice and slide, but um, I I thought he did what he could in the situation that he was given.
1: Yeah. I did too. I, you know, I, I'm not a a Aikman buck, uh, you know, hater by any stretch of the imagination. I think they do a good job, but there were a couple of plays where Troy would detail like the, the one play to Lazard on the slants, right? Like, you know, you know, Lazard's cutting on the in-breaking route, And then they show the other angle and you see that loves fading away with two guys in his lap and Lazard hasn't even broken out of this route yet. Like yeah, I, I'm sure he would love to have gotten to that read and thrown to the middle of the field, but Lazard isn't even out of his break, and he has to just throw that ball up because there's nothing that he can do in that situation. There's another play where the inside linebackers literally in his lap, like two seconds into the play, and th- there were a few different occasions where you know it was like, yeah, like Love needs to be able to find this play, and it's just like he he couldn't. He literally couldn't. What no. time? <laughs> exactly. He's certainly not absolving uh, Jordan Love of everything. There were certainly some like the plays to Devontae I thought were the the one pick and then the one near pick. I thought both of those, you know, plays to Devontae Adams. It's the right read. You're going one on one, Devontae Adams down the field, right read just poor placement on the ball you've got to give Devonte adams an opportunity to go up and make a play on that he did not in those couple situations the you know in, in part of this is just rhythm and timing as well the the play to Devonte along the sidelines where he's looking to hit him on a back shoulder and, and adams keeps going like yeah you can't expect them to hit on some of that stuff uh the the stuff that rogers and adams even who by the way it will miss on and a couple of times in a given week because it's tough to get that stuff down even between those two to have Love and and uh, Adams on the same page already probably not going to happen. So, uh, I mean, again, I th- I think most of this was uh, underwhelming. I think I think the big thing that Love's going to have to learn right is. It's one thing. And, and uh, let me go back to this first, because you brought up a great point about Spagnolo. and there's zero question that this was going to be the game plan for Steve Spagnolo. This has been his MO for years is he's going to pressure QBs who are not used to pressure until they can figure out how to solve it. And so the fact that green Bay wasn't either prepared or didn't have baked in answers for some of that stuff, I think is frustrating Part of that is O-line, part of that is Matt LaFleur, part of that is his receivers getting off of coverage quickly, but a lot of that does go on Jordan Love as well. And I think that's some of the things that we can take for granted with Aaron Rodgers of he knows that that stuff's coming before it's coming and knows exactly where the answer is on the play. That's not necessarily a knock on Jordan Love because – Listen, Trevor Lawrence doesn't know that right now. Justin Fields doesn't know that right now. Zach Wilson doesn't know that. Mac Jones doesn't know that. All of the rookie QBs from last year, like Joe Burrow is getting there. Absolutely. But it's few and far between that in the, the place where Jordan Love is at right now that you know the answers to those things. It's like knowing the answers to the test before you went to class. You've got to have those experiences first. We're seeing Jordan Love experience that for the first time. It's not... Um, it's not unheard of that this would happen, but you can still see there's a lot of growth that needs to take place there. Understandably, yeah.
2: absolutely, absolutely. I, there's, I mean, this is a cop out response, but like, of course, there's a multitude of factors that lead to the way that Jordan Love was going to play today, and so I think we you look at the pressure, you look at the experience, same with Adams, right? Like they had one practice together. It's not even like they had all week. True. Of course, they're not going to have the chemistry. I have to point out though, cause I, I want your thoughts on this. Love had that fourth down conversion throw to Adams. I loved that call in that moment. And I also love that LaFleur trusted love to make that throw in that moment. Like I think Yes, you can look at this holistically and say, okay, you only had one touchdown. It wasn't the best game ever. But like you can also pick out those moments that give you hope for where love can go. And that to me was one of the biggest ones. And the relationship clearly he has with Lafleur, that Lafleur can call that play and say, okay, I believe that Jordan can actually convert this fourth down here.
1: No, I agree. I think the belief he had in love to, to convert some of that. I think you could actually make an argument that he may have had a little bit too much faith in Jordan Love on a couple of different occasions, but yeah, I, I still think you lean in that direction rather than the alternative. And yeah, I think Jordan Love, again, is going to learn from this game. And I, I actually find it very difficult to take a ton away from, from Jordan Love in this game because of the way that Kansas City called this game, because yeah. of all the immediate pressure. And I think one, one trend we have seen a little bit out of Jordan Love, if you remember in the preseason, there was a game where he, he was really struggling and then he had that drive that just looked incredible. Like he got into a rhythm and looked incredible and then kind of struggled the remainder of the game. I think it might have been Buffalo, but don't quote me on that. Um, in training camp, right? Struggled, struggled, or in action, this was uh, either mini camp or OTA. Struggled, struggled, and then had that day where, like, the beat was just going nuts of like, Jordan Love is hitting every throw under the sun. And then the next couple of days kind of went back to normal. Like, I think he's a little bit of a streaky player. And I think we saw a little bit of that where it didn't really get into a rhythm early in that game. And then on a couple of those drives, you started to see him plant his foot, deliver the ball, gain confidence. So I don't know if that's going to be something that is a trend moving forward, but we did see a little of. That in this game where he got hot and then had that confidence and was able to start completing passes.
2: I agree. I also think on those drives, those drives are the ones that were more balanced. Yeah. You're getting more of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And
1: like a great point.
2: When you're sending the house, the best way to counter all that is to run the ball. And so when you gotta you gotta help out your quarterback in that way, also. And I think he responded well when
1: the drives were more balanced from run and pass, but
2: yeah, I feel like we could talk about Jordan love for a while.
1: Yeah, we can probably end it. There. I want to mention one other thing. The the one other thing that I did see was what you're constantly looking for with a young quarterback is growth, right? We take the, the rollout play to Devante. He missed it early in the game. LaFleur came back to him on that fourth down, he hits it, right? There were a couple other things in this game where you saw him maybe miss or not have the confidence early in the game where he came back to it later and found the ability to make a play on it. I, you could see some of that growth even within this game uh, of just gaining a little bit of confidence and just calming down a little bit. So, again, not not the game that I think anyone was hoping or looking for from Love, not super surprising, but uh, I think there's there's still a long way to go in his growth and development, and we certainly saw that. Today, let's go to something that was a very positive development. And that was the play of this Joe Berry defense, who, by the way, no Jai Alexander, no Zadarius Smith. Eric Stokes goes down in pregame and doesn't play the entirety of the game. Kenny Clark goes down. Dean Lowry's on a snap count. Kingsley Kiki's not playing. I mean, it's a it's a crazy laundry list of players who are not playing in this game, yet somehow against Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, who, to be fair, hasn't been exactly the powerhouse on offense that we're used to. Even still, this was the lowest yards per attempt uh, of Patrick Mahomes' career at 4.5 yards per attempt. This defense was rallying to the football. The linebackers were playing great. Like, that was a insane performance for this defense, especially sans the players that they were missing. I, I don't even know where to go from there. They were incredible.
2: Yeah, they played out of their minds. I mean, they just played out of their minds. They're stepping up in a way that I, we've never seen this Packers defense step up for their team. I loved seeing Savage turn the lights on in this game. Great. Like He's been so quiet. And he was really in there. Gary, Rajon Gary is becoming the player. I think we all want him to be. I mean, he was hustling after Patrick Mahomes on that last play. And of course it's Patrick Mahomes. So he may, can make that crazy throw. But I mean, Gary gave the, the team a chance to come back, you know, from and make a stop and maybe give Jordan love the ball back in that two minute drill that we were just talking about. I mean, he's just been amazing and they're missing, like you said, Zadarius Smith, Jair Alexander, I mean, for Stokes to go down, I was actually surprised to see King out there, and then you understand why. You know, it's right. Stokes Stokes got hurt, and then you look at the inside linebackers, a position group that has never been the Packers' strength ever, and they're everywhere. They're making plays. They're so speedy. You get Orn Burks in there, kind of utilizing his skill set and his speed. They're rallying to the football. They're tra- tracking the offense so well. I I think they just showed up, um, and I really think they put. You know, a lot of people, I think, just typically historically think about the Packers defense as just like a mediocre to bad unit. And it takes some time to like catch up to the fact that they're playing really well. And so for them to show up in this game in the way that they did for a national audience, I think it just like puts everybody on notice a little
1: bit. Packers football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Packer tickets anymore, because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats in another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Recently, I was just able to pick up tickets to Packers Vikings in Minnesota, going to be heading west for that game, attending my first game in the new Vikings stadium. Cannot wait for that. Let me tell you, it was so incredibly easy to use TickPick. No awful service fees. I cannot recommend it enough. And the easiest way to do so is by going to TickPick.com slash Packaday today to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets or any other tickets that you want to purchase.
0: determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com
1: it does and i think that this has to be one of the key takeaways from this game in that Listen, if, if Aaron Rodgers comes back in offense, everything is going to be A-OK as, as they get Bakhtiari back, Devontae, like that whole offense is going to be uh, back to its juggernaut status sooner rather than later. I don't have any qualms in saying that whatsoever. The fact that this defense has played as well as they have, especially missing some of those players, Here, here's a couple of things that I really want to point on. This wasn't just this week. This has been something that's been developing on tape over the last few weeks. I have not seen a Packers defense rally in swarm the way that this Packers defense has these last few weeks. In a long time, I'm talking 2010 Charles Woodson type defense stuff where there are 11 players that are swarming to the football. There was a play a week ago on tape when I was doing defensive grades where it gets to the middle of the field. And all of a sudden you see the running back is surrounded by eight Green Bay Packers on all sides of them. Just nowhere to go. Everyone running to the football. We saw that on multiple occasions today. They are playing fast. They are playing confident. They are all rallying to the football together at one unifying point. And I think the the discipline that this defense is playing with as well, you saw the the reverse play and they were just all over that. Like the the, the players stayed their side. They stayed with their assignments. They read their keys. They stayed in their lanes. This has not been two easy weeks to go back to back. Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, again, especially missing the players that they've been missing And they've been fantastic these last two weeks. So I I, I could not say more about the job that Joe Barry is doing. And going back to your point about the linebackers, I mean, we have I think we've run out of adjectives to describe Devondre Campbell's play, but Chris Barnes stepping yeah. up and playing the way that he did in this game. And then again, Oren Burks making a couple of plays. I mean the, the Packers have linebackers who can get sideline to sideline and tackle. When has that happened? Like it just it has not been something for Green Bay that has been a strength, and it is something that is absolutely a strength for Green Bay right now.
2: Yeah, they kept the they kept the Packers in this game. I mean, how often can we say absolutely. that? It's normally Rodgers having to be a superhero and overcoming what the defense is giving up. I mean, honestly, if this if special teams hadn't had the abysmal night that they have, like the Packers could have had this tied. the The Green Bay Packers defense just held the Kansas City Chiefs to thirteen points at home, and three of those were just like gift wrapped on a muffed punt. You know, like. And they even held in the red zone in in that situation where they were backed up into a horrible position and had to stand in the red zone, which is something that they have even struggled with this season. So yeah, it's just, it's super impressive. I I don't, I don't know if I have much more to say. I just think that they're
1: ascending and they're only going to get healthier and they're doing it at the right time. 37 attempts for Patrick Mahomes. Again, missing all those players, Kenny Clark, Darius Smith, Jai Alexander, Eric Stokes, et cetera, et cetera, 166 yards. That is unbelievable. And then, oh, by the way, held them to 77 yards rushing on 25 attempts with a long of 11, um, a long of 25 through the air. This explosive Chiefs offense, their biggest play of the day was 25 yards to Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Just absolutely crazy, the, the job that they did. But you brought up the point, and we have to get into it next, the special teams
2: awful just i i yikes
1: (laughs) it is uh, there's no words like oh like you go into every off season apparently we're you know we're gonna fix special teams we're gonna fix special teams we're gonna fix special teams and they find a new way to be a complete utter cluster you know what every year and I mean it could have even been worse if Amari couldn't recover the fumble on the one that he had but you have the the muff with Malik Taylor you've got the 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 fumble by um by Amari that Easily could have gone to the, the Chiefs on that play. You've got the, the missed field goal where it, I, Bajorquez doesn't even get it completely you know, spun and then Crosby can't kind of power through it. Then you have the next one where he doesn't spin it at all, look like a high snap as well. So high snap, poor hold. And then, by the way, just immense pressure once again for another blocked kick. It is unbelievable the ineptness of this special teams and how it can show up in major ways and completely, I mean, completely sidetrack a game because this, this should have been, a game that was much, much closer. If Green Bay has two field goals and you take three points off from Kansas city due to a complete cluster on on, the, on the, the punt where yeah, Malik Taylor can't do much in that situation, right? He's on the ground and you know, the ball hits him. Amari's got a fair catch that like he has to get up there and fair catch that. So that's not an issue in the first place. Like it's just mistake after mistake. And it is pitiful.
2: And even worse than the mistakes, there's no change. Like they just leave Amari out there for the rest of the game. And it's like, you think it's going to get better this game? Like why not try anybody else? They have Randall Cobb on the roster who used to do this for the Packers consistently, like just try something, do something. And I think, look, yes, it, it knocks the wind out of you. It's a momentum shifter, all of that. But for your first start rookie quarterback To be starting every single drive at the 15-yard line or back, like you're already making his job so much harder than it needs to be. And it changes the play calls for Matt LaFleur when they're backed up that far. I mean, I thought, honestly, Jordan Love, when he's literally in his own end zone, actually handled himself super well. But you don't want your special teams to make you be in that situation like they're they were not helping him at all they were making his job harder having making him go 90 yards down the field to score any points come on
1: I I think the thing that's even more nauseating and disgusting is that while the Packers special teams have been bad for a long time, the one thing, the one thing that you could count on was Crosby and the field goal and extra point unit. That was the one thing that you could say, yeah, the special team's terrible, but Crosby's great and you can trust that operation to be good. None of that operation is good. Like not any of it, not the snap, not the hold, not the protection, not the kick, all of it right now. And, and I think actually Crosby is the least of the concerns. I think it's, it's fair to say when, when the snaps high, the, the the hold isn't the holding the football literally in the right direction. And there's a hundred players coming at you. Uh, yeah. It, I don't know what you're expecting the kicker to do in that situation, but that was the one thing that Green Bay could hold its add on on special teams is we got we got a kicker that can make everything and now that's a nightmare you you don't even like anytime a kicker turner punt returner is getting close to touching the ball you're just like abort like do it just throw the ball out of bounds like just do anything else because i don't trust that something bad's not going to happen um, I do think that the coverage units, for the most part, knock on everything superstitious you can possibly knock on, have been mostly better this season. I do think uh, Bajorquez, besides uh, a, a little bit of a, a shank today, has been much, much better as a punter. But it's still nowhere near adept. And it just is, it's so infuriating that they can't get a anywhere near reasonable special teams unit.
2: It scares me because with Rodgers back, this offense Is great. The defense is playing great. You don't want to go into the playoffs or potentially a Super Bowl and be worried about your special teams literally ruining the game for you. I mean, it's not. When has that ever happened before? It's not an exaggeration. Like they would do that. This game proved that they have the capabilities to completely derail a game. And that it's alarming. It's at one point, do you, I mean, is it? it's the middle of the season. So maybe not, but like, is it worth making any kind of change there
1: now? I, I don't know. Uh, and you know, nothing would shock me. Nothing would surprise me, but I I don't know that like how much bringing in somebody new is going to help. I mean, we just saw like trying to fix the long snapper, you bring in somebody new and that, you know, p- didn't look great this week. So it, it's one of those things where it, it's not going to get fixed in a, a, in a day, but again the 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 most insane part here is nobody's asking green bay special teams to be good they're just asking it to be competent and it hasn't been competent for forever and that level of incompetence for one unit like it's is is just it's amazing it is unbelievably amazing and it's got to get fixed and there's no two ways around it and um, and maybe Matt LaFleur needs to be more involved in spike. I don't know. I don't know what you need to do, but it, it's disgusting. And that was a huge reason why green Bay didn't have an opportunity to, to go and have a chance to win late in that game. Yeah.
2: And it's kind of wild to think about considering everything that we've already talked about that without special teams, they would have really been in it and could have won.
1: Very much in, in large part due to, due to the defense, as we discussed earlier, we kind of hit on both of these things already, Perry, but I, I do think they're at least worth noting at least, you know, kind of individually third down offense and field position, I thought were two kind of underlying things that really caused green Bay, a ton of trouble. I think offensively, they were two of 12 on third down. A lot of that goes back to the pressure and the blitzes and Jordan love, not being able to kind of identify and and have time to throw anything but that was a major issue in this game of just, you know, we talk about wanting to be able to see green Bay run the ball more consistently. That all sounds great. But when you get to a third and long, if you're not converting and getting uh, another set of downs, it's hard to gain any momentum running the football and not being able to convert on third downs was a huge reason. They weren't able to have some of that consistency and continue to run the football and offense. At some point you can, you can scheme up all you want, but at some point it's third and eight and your offense has to go out and execute and pick up a first down, they were atrocious at that in this game, and that was a huge reason why. I thought the other thing that was, again, underlying that maybe didn't get as much attention was field positions. They had two times where they had good field positions. One time where they took over at the Kansas City 37, and then one time uh, at their own 47. But they also had four times where they were within their own 15, at at their own 2, at their own 12, at their own 15, at their own 8. And seven of their nine drives started at their own 25 or worse. So not doing Jordan love any favors. And again, that goes back to special teams, lack of turnovers on defense, where, you know, as much as we talk great about the defense, it's still a playmaking league. And if you can't take the ball away and get your offense in advantageous positions, it's going to be a little bit tougher as well. So um, yeah, I, I thought overall, you're, you know, the defense deserves a ton of credit in this game, but uh, offensively, the third downs and field position was, um uh, was an issue.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the third down offense speaks to the field position as well, right? Like when you're having to drive 90 yards down the field, you're going to hit a couple of third downs and you're not always going to convert them. Obviously you want to be better than converting. Like what was it? Two, this game, Yeah, two of 12. Yeah. Two of 12. Right. So yes, there's, there's a piece of it. It's both, but it's really hard to drive down the field that far and not hit a third down and have to convert it. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, I just think Jordan love obviously has some things that he needs to work on, but I just felt like the team did not do him any favors, did not help him out in certain situations that, you know, are going to be really difficult for a rookie quarterback in his first start. It just made it like 10 times worse <laughs> for him and exaggerated, yeah. you know, an already like pretty difficult situation. Um, yeah, but I mean, you're with Aaron Rodgers, you know, you kind of expect those conversions to come. Um, and I think that's. It's just a character of this game with Jordan Love, not necessarily the offense as a
0: whole.
1: Well, let's touch base on that next, because of course Aaron Rodgers did not play in this game. And I do think that we got a good glimpse into just some of the things that are so easy to take for granted with an Aaron Rodgers quarterback, or as your quarterback, I should say, I think some of the the third down situations, getting out of bad plays, reading blitzes, just even the fact that teams won't blitz in that way that they they did against Jordan Love, right? There's zero, maybe green Bay sees one blitz like that against Aaron Rodgers, but with no level of consistency, because if you start doing the same thing over and over and over to Aaron Rodgers, he's just going to nuke you at some point. There's just no way that any defensive coordinator does that. I also just think, I I thought the defense played with amazing confidence in this game, but you could just see at times that the offense was flustered. Like they, how much Aaron Rodgers is able to sort of get that offense all on the same page, pre-snap at the snap. You want to talk about sometimes of like, well, he's letting the play clock go down to zero. Well, the, the reason why is he's making sure that everyone has answers on the play to what's coming and he can beat the opposing defense with his mind on so many of those plays. And I just thought that it was very abundantly clear of some of the things that are very easy to take for granted when, when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback.
2: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) there was a lot of comparing of that with Jordan love in this game by the announcers are just so unfair to me. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's been in the league for 17 years, who has been playing at the highest of high levels. Who's going to be a first ballot hall of famer who has undoubtedly one of the best football IQs ever. And you're going to compare it to Jordan love. I mean, come on, like you're right. Aaron Rodgers can audible out of anything at the line, basically, Without asking, um, right, right? he can read a defense better than almost any quarterback in the league. Tom Brady's probably the only one left that's as good as him at that. And yeah, the defense coordinator is not going to call the same game, of course, he's just going to blitz the hell out of a really young quarterback who's going to get rattled. Aaron Rodgers doesn't get rattled at that. It's a similar thing, too, with like the connection with Adams, he hits those throws more often than he doesn't to Adams same with Cobb I thought Cobb actually had a low key very good game um, from from love, him and love but at the same time again all you need to do is hit even one or two of those deep shots to Adams which Rodgers does and it's a completely different ball game so yeah i mean of course the packers offense was missing aaron rodgers any offense is going to miss a hall of fame quarterback when he's in there um it's a maybe a glimpse into the future but also makes you Hopeful that he comes back, if not for next week, the rest
1: of the season. No, very much so, and you you bring up a great point, right? Because if you want to make a team stop blitzing you, just hit on those one on ones to Devonte Adams, and they'll stop blitzing you really, really quick. Uh, Love and Adams couldn't connect on some of those, and because of that, Kansas City's going to say, "All right, until you show you can beat us, we're going to keep doing it." They kept doing it and had a ton of success with it, but. Yeah. I, I again, I, I think even just the overall confidence that the team plays with that they know that, you yeah. know, even if, you know, down whatever amount that Rogers can bring him back at any given moment, I think some of those things uh, play a huge factor and just the, the emotional and psychological confidence that a team like the Packers has when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. And I think even, even in small doses, I think some of that showed itself in this game without Aaron Rodgers. of course it wouldn't be a Packer game this season without some injuries And we, of course, had some injuries once again. First of all, Eric Stokes gets injured pregame, which is never great. Although uh, Matt LaFleur did mention in his postgame press conference that he's hopeful that it's not going to be anything long term, but didn't have a ton of detail on it. Kenny Clark goes out with a back injury, probably from carrying that defensive line for five seasons. But um, in all seriousness, back injuries tend to linger. And that's not a great sign that he wasn't able to return and that he could be dealing with a back injury for the remainder of the season. Um, John Runyon left with an illness, but came back. And then Tyler Lancaster got banged up towards the end of the game as well. So Kenny Clark, clearly the one worth monitoring here, but Eric Stokes, certainly uh, another key piece there as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're just snake bit this year. It's, it's, it's a hard to watch kind of, I mean, especially injuries are never something to like, hang a hang your hat on but they got really lucky last season with how healthy they stayed and there is something to be said for that for how far you can take your team when you're that healthy I wonder when I saw Kenny not come back in whether it was just that and I don't know if the Packers would do this and I don't know if Kenny would even let them but like if they're just like you know what just don't don't make it worse than it already is this is not the game to fight it out like please just this one out. Like, I don't, I don't know, obviously, I guess we'll find out more how bad that injury is, but I could maybe see them just kind of being as cautious as humanly possible, especially when the defense is playing as well as they were. But yeah, it just feels like you get one back and two more fall out. It's one step forward, two steps back.
1: It's hard. It's hard to watch. For sure. And I'm looking this up kind of as we speak, um, but I want to say, give me one second here. Defensive grades by PFF. I'm looking at snaps for for Kenny Clark so far this season. He Coming into this game, he was fifth on the team with 418 snaps. Now, first was Adrian Amos. I I can't recall if Amos has missed any any snaps or time this year. I don't think so. So they've probably played 506 snaps. Kenny Clark has played 418 of those, which is over 82% by my quick uh, back of the napkin, abacus math here. That is a ton of snaps for a defensive lineman. I actually asked Matt LaFleur about that a few weeks back when he played like almost 90% of snaps in a a week. You wonder, and again, I, I joked earlier about, you know, Kenny Clark carrying the defense, but when you have a defensive tackle, regardless of how young he still is, regardless of how talented he is, but when he has to play that many snaps, it's just going to create a ton of wear and tear. And especially when you're in a 17-game season and have Super Bowl aspirations of playing 20-some games, 80-plus percent of the snaps is not an ideal situation for Kenny Clark. Now, hopefully this is minor, and hopefully the fact he didn't have to play a ton of snaps in this game is beneficial for him down the road but they have got to find a way. And I know it's not ideal because Kenny Clark is so insanely important to the defense, but they've got to find a way for Lancaster and Lowry and Slayton to not only play, but to play well when he's not in there because he can't, he can't do that. Like you're, you're just, you know, you're burning the candle on both ends for Kenny Clark. And at some point it's going to end up burning you. And in this case, It may have with the bag. Now, maybe it was something fluky, right? Maybe it would have happened if this was his first snap of the year, who knows? But in general, when you play that many snaps as a defensive lineman in the trenches, you're you're begging for wear and tear. And uh, that potentially could have caught up with Kenny Clark today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's hard because whenever I see Kenny jog off the field, I think they're worse off now, right? And you know that the coaches probably feel the same way. Kenny's so integral, but at the same time, you need to give him that rest otherwise you're going to see exactly what you did today um i think in this game you saw all those guys that you mentioned step up but that may not always be the case um and yeah i mean kenny you want kenny in the playoffs you want kenny for the long stretch and you just have to kind of monitor the amount that he's literally putting on his back for this team
1: yep No, for real. I did think at first glance, and I'm going to be really one of the players I'm most going to be excited to watch on all 22 this week is TJ Slayton, because at first glance, I thought he had a pretty nice game. Uh, We'll see what it ends up looking like uh, when we get that. But overall, you know, somebody needed to step up and it looked like Slayton was somebody who did step up a little bit on the inside. I got to ask you, I posted this on Twitter. As you know, I grade every player on every game throughout the course of the season. And sometimes you get plays that are really difficult to grade. And if you ever want to know how just divided we as a people are, go back and look at this comment because I did Kevin King. uh, For those of you who are know which play I'm talking about, Kevin King had the play towards the end of the half where he makes a great play uh, to, you know, recognize what play is coming, make a break on the football, basically break up a pass, but had a great opportunity to intercept the ball and had the ball go right through his hands. And it ended up resulting in Kansas city, getting an additional three points where if King picks that off, Kansas City leaves halftime there with a, I think a ten nothing lead if memory, if memory serves correctly instead of a thirteen nothing lead so it's one of those things Perry where as I'm grading this do so I want to say well you know he easily could have not broke on the ball or identified the route and a lot maybe the uh, you know maybe nine out of ten players aren't even in the position to make an interception in the first place like how are you gonna knock a guy for being in the right place at the right time and making a play on the ball and batting the ball away at the same token you can also make the argument of well you know he he identified the ball the ball comes right to him And he drops the ball and it's basically a turnover on defense is what I equated to. Like if if you get a ball thrown your way and you don't pick it off, that's a turnover and it's not going to show up on the stat sheet as a turnover for you, but that's basically a turnover because it should be your possession of the ball. And instead it's the other team. So of course, when I post, what would you grade that play negative, neutral, or positive, the entire gamut of everything from everything I just said of like, well, he's in a great position. You have to mark it as a positive should be an interception has to be a negative. Of course, people yell, at me, how can you analyze this if you don't count it as a negative? How can you analyze this if you don't count it as a positive and everything in between? Uh, but I'm curious, where would you come out on the Kevin King play? Is that a positive, a negative, or a neutral play?
2: Yeah, so I think you have to think about it on a scale, right? Like, what's the worst possible outcome in that scenario, and what's the best possible outcome in that scenario? At the end of the day, a pass breakup and breaking on the ball, like you said, leans so much closer to best possible scenario in that case. So for me, it does still feel like a positive. But at the end of the day, it's not the best possible outcome, which is an interception that he should have had and he knew he should have had. But I also think turnovers are fluky, right? Like you've seen worse than that where you're like it literally passes through or they catch it and they drop it. like So I don't know if I can necessarily knock Kevin King and give him anything worse than a positive on a play like that because you just never know when an interception is going to happen. But yeah, I mean, the best possible outcome, what you would hope would happen is an interception, but I still think that a pass breakup in my mind is a positive play. I think also just from the, the commentary perspective, Kevin King is quite inflammatory as a player. And so it's very easy for people to be like extra judgmental. Yep. Like if, let's say you're asking me you the same question about Eric Stokes. I think more often than not, people would say, of course it was a positive. He had a pass breakup. It's just you're, you're much right. easier to criticize a player who's consistently given up plays like that to the opposing offense. So there's, there's some of that perspective going on
1: also. And I am far from a Kevin King apologist as most will know, but it, uh, just as a point, right. Cause it, by all means, yeah. it looked like he had a really nice game in that game. Like yeah. it looked like he had a really nice game again. We'll see when the the tape kind of comes out and, and see what was actually downfield tough to tell sometimes from the, the TV angle, but uh, he makes that play. And I mean, it's a, it's a really monster game from him, right? Like he doesn't get picked on a ton. He make he, I thought he tackled well throughout that game, makes a break on the ball, you know, pass breakup at that point, but he picks that off and takes points off the board before halftime gives green Bay momentum. That is a huge play and likely a huge game for Kevin King. Instead. It was just like, you know, that, that just, it, that, it just the, the snake bit curse of, of Kevin King at times, just not being able to come up with some of those plays, unfortunately, but It is what it is. And, uh, you move on and and hopefully he makes the next one. Let's look ahead very quickly to Seattle Perry. Obviously the big talking point all week is going to be is Aaron Rodgers going to be able to play, which we will not know at earliest until Saturday, uh, potentially even until game time on Sunday, which of course makes it that much more difficult. And then of course on the other side of the ball is Russell Wilson going to play, or is this going to be a Geno Smith game? So uh, a lot going into this and, uh, but any thoughts outside of the, the two QBs and their status for this game?
2: really hard to judge this game um, without knowing the quarterback status. I think I will probably go into this week with the expectation that Jordan Love is going to start again, just because of the timeline perspective. Of course, if Rogers is able to go, he doesn't need a practice. He doesn't need any reps. They can throw him in that game on Sunday game time decision. Do I love that for the team? No, I don't. But I think at home against any, almost any team team, that will be a recipe for a win for the Packers from the Seahawks perspective, regardless of who's at quarterback, the Packers are a better football team in my mind at this point. Um, And so I think they just plan um, they should plan for the idea that Russell Wilson is going to play. That's probably the better decision, Um, but they are absolutely the better team Um, in two two of the three phases of the football. I would say that Seahawks are probably better on special teams at this point.
1: As is uh, pretty much any (laughs) team at this point. Uh, Green Bay opens as five and a half point favorites. I'm frankly quite shocked that there's even a line on it considering this could be Jordan Love versus Russell Wilson, Jordan Love versus Geno Smith, uh, Geno Smith versus Aaron (laughs) Rodgers. Like we just don't know what game this is going to be. So like Green Bay opens as five and a half point favorites over under is set at 49 and a half. And of course, Matt LaFleur, has yet to lose back-to-back games in his NFL career as head coach in the same season. So that will be on the line in this game as well. I think that should be an entertaining game Seattle, Green Bay. So something crazy is always bound to happen. It seems like, but Green Bay has actually quietly owned Russell Wilson um, and, and done very well against him. I know the NFC championship did not go according to plan. I know the Phil Mary did not go according to plan, but Wilson struggled even in those two games. So Green Bay done well against him and, um, We'll see if that can continue. If in fact he does play this Sunday, any final thoughts on Jordan Love, the defense, Russell Wilson, Nano Bubbles? You want to talk ivermectin? Uh, ivermectin? No, I uh, really <laughs> don't.
2: Um, <laughs> I really, really don't. Um, I think. Look, this offseason and season have been. I mean, they should do a, a television show on it, right? It's been an absolute roller coaster up and down. But at the end of the day. The Packers are seven and two and they're in like front row seats to still grab that one seed, if not the two seed and are absolutely one of the top teams in the NFC. The AFC looks like a complete mess right now. So I still have faith wholeheartedly in this team to be able to get things done this season. I hope that everything that's happened that's non-football related is not a distraction. That was like one of my fears for this week was how focused the team was going to be given everything going on. I think they off season. And I guess in this game, who knows, have done a decent job. I think Matt LaFleur has done a phenomenal job of steering the ship. Um, So I think they're in good hands um, and they're obviously, you know, seven and two. And I think things will be fine. I think everybody needs to take a deep breath.
1: And I think the other thing that I'll point out, and we can kind of end with this as well. I think there's a lot of players on this team that are far ahead of schedule or better than we expected as we went into this season and whether that's Devondre Campbell at inside linebacker, whether that's Rashawn Gary taking a step as an edge rusher, whether that's Razul Douglas coming out of absolutely nowhere, whether that's Eric Stokes probably playing ahead of where anyone expected him at this point, you know, whether that's, uh, I think Josh Myers and when, if, and when he comes back, you know, being a pretty solid center already at this point in his career, whether that's AJ Dillon taking a step at running back. Like I just think there are a lot of players that are playing a Above expectation either at or above expectation on this team and if and when green bay can get everyone i mean you you just go rogers qb jones dylan at running back the entire you know quadruplets at receiver with lazard and cobb and mvs and 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 adams i know tonyan's going to be out for the year but they still got mercedes and Deguara and daphne and an entire stable of tight ends Bakhtiari and jenkins and and that whole offensive line once they get healthy All of a sudden you look at, again, if healthy, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Whitney Merciless, and Zedaria Smith at edge rusher, Kenny Clark on the inside, Barnes and Campbell at inside linebacker. The entire group of corners are playing, I think, uh, above expectation right now. You get Jair back, you probably have too many corners and you even know, then you can even play at the same time. Savage looked better this week. Amos has had a good season. The special teams is still a freaking nightmare. Uh, But outside of that, I think there's so much to be positive on if and when, Everyone can get on the field at the same time. I think this has the opportunity to be a very scary team if they can all get healthy at the right time.
2: Yeah, and even with these key players, they're still a scary team. They're still dominating and winning against great teams. I mean, still look at what they did against the Cardinals on a short week. Like you will look back at that game at the end of the season and say like, that was the moment that people knew. So I agree with you. I think this team has all of the makings to make a run for whatever everyone wants, which is the Lombardi trophy.
1: Absolutely. It should be a very fun remainder of the season. Perry, amazing, amazing stuff as always. Where can we find you on Twitter and follow your work?
2: You can follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. Uh, you can listen to Maggie Loney and I every week with Pax, which he said um, with she said TV and uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs>
1: You can find me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. Make sure to give it a five star rating or like on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube. You can find me on YouTube 365 days a year. You can also find the audio podcast 365 days a year as well, because that's what we freaking do is we talk packers every single day, no matter what. Thank you so much for joining us as always. Always appreciate it. But until next time, and as always, go pack go.
2: Go pack go.